Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another bonus episode of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. Today we're talking about Arizona because the Arizona deadline is coming up February 9th. Okay, there. We got that right, I mean, right out of the gate. We got that there. Okay, February 9th, don't miss it. 2021, you got to have your apps into Arizona for the elk and antelope deadline. So, on this podcast, Brandon Evans from Go Hunt is going to join me because Arizona's got some quirks to it. And a lot of people say, well, how do we know that the data that's getting put out is correct? Well, I can assure you that what's getting put out by Go Hunt is correct. Uh, the way they take that data and how, how they run it through all of these things. Uh, they put a lot of effort in it. They have more, <laughs> plenty of data scientists there who, when you go talk to them, I think I'm kind of a nerdy accountant with numbers. I'm like a pedestrian run-of-the-mill amateur compared to these guys. But anyhow, uh, Go Hunt asks us to do these every year because some things change, some new stuff is added, some stuff might be dropped, and uh, they want to make sure that everybody has the overview. And then if you want the full details, I mean, like, more information than you can really absorb in a month, if, if you're bored in the winter and you want to have a place to really... Uh, take a deep dive into stuff that interests you. I can assure you that the Insider is a place to spend your money. You will spend hours and hours and hours looking at this stuff. So if you go there and go to gohunt.com, sign up for the Insider, and you use promo code RANDY, R-A-N-D-Y, they give you a $50 gift card to use in their gear shop for doing that. So... Uh, in addition to Go Hunt, we've got all these other great sponsors that make this possible. Uh, Leupold, Nosler, Mystery Ranch, Wild Alaska Seafood Box. Uh, yeah, pretty much all of them. You can use promo code Randy somewhere. Well, I guess with Leupold and Nosler, you can't because, uh, they don't have a direct sales thing that we're set up with, so... Just go to their website, buy some optics, buy some ammo. But with the Wild Alaska Seafood Box, if you go there and use promo code Randy, John's going to give you scallops, free, free scallops for the life of your subscription. And then if you want to buy one of those really cool Mystery Ranch packs, I say go to the Go Hunt gear shop and use promo code Randy, and they'll give you 10% off. So anyhow, Arizona, I love it. I go. I just got back from there. I, I go there as many times in a year as I possibly can because once I've made this investment in this non-resident license, the value I can get out of that license is immense. And whether it's quail hunting, whether it's rifle coos deer, archery coos deer, archery javelina, doves, ducks, small game, or if I look out and I draw one of the elk tags or a deer tag, someday a sheep tag. Uh, yeah, right. Keep dreaming, Randy. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I just thought it'd be cool to have a, a leader of the, the group at Go Hunt that he, Brandon Evans, he oversees the data scientists. He oversees the whole program of how draw odds get sorted, get built, get published, what format they end up in, uh, how they get double checked, triple checked, maybe even more than that. And, uh, so 
he's going to be on this podcast with me. I appreciate y'all being here. I hope you're all healthy. hope you're all happy. And I hope 2021 has so many tags in your mailbox that it just about breaks the post the mailbox is mounted on. Yeah, there you go. Take care. Here we go. Thanks for being here. All right, folks. I told you that we're going to have on this podcast episode, we're going to expand it from our normal bonus episode that we do for these state-by-state things. And how we're going to expand it is Brandon from Gohan. It's Brandon Evans, right? I better get that right. Yep, that's me. Oh, man. How many Brandons you guys got down there? Just you? Just me. Um, It is a very popular name, though. So Yeah. All right. Well, anyhow, Brandon is the the guy who runs the draw odds. Did I say that right, Brandon, or, or did I make something up there? Uh, I don't know that I run them. I oversee them. That would be okay. a good, good way to put it. There's a lot of people involved in these. so Yeah? So it's not just you copying and pasting what the state agency gives you? No. No. <laughs> I, I wish that were the case, but it is not. Well, then you wouldn't you you wouldn't have the great job that. Well, maybe you'd still have the job, but you wouldn't be as busy as you are. Yeah, that's my my fall. That's when my my anxiety starts. Is like in the middle of hunting season when we start doing all of these, and it runs clear <laughs> through spring. So, uh, so what we're going to talk about? Uh, I asked Brandon to join me to talk about Arizona because Arizona can be a complicated state and a lot of times you see draw odds posted about arizona that you don't have to be a brain scientist or a rocket surgeon to realize that something might be askew uh in some of the draw odds i see published out there and so I asked Brandon to join me so that he can tell us how things work to do something or to get accurate odds in a state as complicated as Arizona. Because does it is Arizona complicated on your end because they look at your first two choices before they go on to the next person? Yeah, when you start talking about you know calculating a. a odds of drawing or draw odds, any state that has that multiple choice you know, element to the draw before they move to a next application, it adds a, you know, a wrinkle to the, to the process. Right. So, cause Arizona looks at your first two, New Mexico looks at all three and you, those folks over in Nevada, they look at all five of them. Yeah. They, they like to give you lots of choices over there. So, which I love that fact, but I'm glad I don't have to do what you do because I'll tell you what, Brandon, I used to have spreadsheets on Nevada trying to sort out what the draw odds would be. But if they aren't publishing, you know, they'd always publish the first choice. Yeah, and then any anyone who drew their second through fifth choice, they got published also. But you had no idea who was applying for what as their second, third, fourth, fifth choice. That's I was going to say. Back in the day, Nevada didn't release enough enough just raw data to calculate odds you know they would give you the report which would would like you mentioned show first choice applicants and then you got a list of people that actually like actual names of people that drew permits but it was hard you know it was hard when we originally started this whole thing it was it was a little bit of work to get end out to give us the actual information that we needed to 
to calculate those odds. So, um, yeah. and now we have a great, you know, a great relationship with them. So, yep. and, and so Arizona isn't quite as bad because they look at your first and second choice before they go on to the next person. Yeah. And they do have that element of the, you know, that first pass of their draw process being the bonus pass. And so that's a, that makes it a little bit easier. So, yeah, Uh, that part is uh, for those, uh, some of the places along here, I'm going to walk right through the steps of how Arizona's draws conducted so that if we're referring to stuff, people will know what we're talking about. But when, when you apply in Arizona, they split the draw into two passes. Uh, don't they call the first one the bonus pass? Yeah, that and then first. The, then the one-two pass is what they call the second part. Yeah, I just call it the first part and the second part. <laughs> well, and there's when you get in the nitty gritty, there's actually that third pass that nobody ever talks about. It's the you know your third through fifth choices, right? Um, and and we tend to you know tend, we tend to tell people not to to put a third through fifth choice because if you do right. jot, you're getting a leftover tag and you're you're burning your points. So yeah, I, I never apply for a third, fourth, or fifth choice in Arizona be, for just the reason you mentioned. I don't want to burn my points on a tag that made it through everybody's first and second <laughs> choice and is still sitting out there. Yep. That's your worst. We're on the same page there. So I, I don't think there are any early rifle tags in Arizona for elk that you're going to pick up as a third, fourth or fifth choice. No. In fact, no, no. the, the only permits <laughs> that you really see available, you know, for that are those, you know, the coos deer tags that they're giving hundreds of permits per season. Yeah. Um, yep. and the, you know what I mean? Those you can, you can pick up, you know, mail in your leftover application and, and pick one of those up without burning your points. So, right. And that's what I try to do. So <clears throat> for people who are new to Arizona, many of you already are in the Arizona draw. I meant to add up the total number of non-residents in their system at this point. I forgot to do it, but when I started adding it up in my head, I was at over 45,000 non-residents in the elk system. And I got, I got interrupted. So if you're new to the Arizona game, just know there's about 45,000 or more people ahead of you in the non-resident pool. That's right. There is probably got some people saying, well, heck with it. But then they should think about Wyoming has 124,000. So you're, you're actually in a smaller pool of people when you're going to Arizona than you are Wyoming or Colorado. Uh, and, and, and for those new people out there that are, that are considering Arizona, the great thing about their draw process is the random, you know, that second phase yep. of the draw, the random pass. Everybody yep. has a chance to draw a permit. So yeah, it's because definitely a, a state that new, newcomers should definitely be interested in. I always tell people it's a state that you you should put high on your priority list, whether it's short term, medium, or long term, because just what you said, the uh, the second part of the draw, and we'll get to that, is done on a bonus point system where even if you have zero points or one point, you still have a raffle ticket in the bucket. Yep, and you can get your name pulled. So uh, how Arizona does it? So. Uh, I'll get to this, and then the frame when we outline the framework, it'll make more sense. But the very first part of Arizona's draw, they take twenty percent of the tags for every hunt code, and they allocate those 
in a preference point system, even though they tell everyone they're on a bonus point system, I say, no, they're a hybrid system because 20% of the tags go to the highest point holders for that hunt code. Then everybody who didn't draw in the first part for that 20% gets thrown over into the second part where they draw the remaining 80% of the tags for every hunt code based on a bonus point system. So everyone's got a chance somewhere along the way. Maybe it's a slow chance or a low chance, but we all have a chance. Well, and you're, you know, the, the great part about that and having the, the first choice, second choice is it allows you to, to kind of fine tune your application to what you want. Trail and trail and I here in the office had a conversation about Arizona. Arizona for me, particularly when it comes to elk is kind of that swing for the fence state. Like Mm -hmm. my, my first two choices are extremely hard, you know, hard to draw units where it's like you, you mentioned it's on my long-term plan. Whereas Mm -hmm. trail seems to hunt that every few years, you know, he's, he's, he's looking for that harder to draw lower success, but being able to hunt it every few years. And so I, I personally like their system in the fact that it, it kind of accommodates to each individual's preference on, and how they want to treat that state. Yeah, and that I take more of trails approach. I don't even apply for early archery, early rifle, or early muzzleloader. I'm always focusing on either the uh, late rifle or the limited opportunity units. Yep. And we can get into the limited opportunity stuff later, but... So when this draw is conducted, as Brandon said, when you put your name in there, they look at your first choice. If that quota is already filled, then they go on to your second choice. And if that quota is filled, well, then you're going to get a bonus point for next year because your tags were all gone. Now, for me, I use those first two choices in a little bit of a strategy, I guess I'd say, where I know that. This year, I'm going in with five points. So I know I'm not going to draw the tags in the first 20% pool because the the, the units I'm applying for, I'm just not going to be high enough up up the point scale. So I know they're going to put me in that draw. I'm not going to get a tag there. So they're going to throw me over into the 80% draw. So my first choice has really low odds because what if I get a really low random number over there? in that second part of the draw, I, 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 I want them to pull my name for a really good hunt. Then my second choice is one where the odds are way, way better. So I, I try to use some strategy in how I allocate my choices between the two options they look at before they'll go on to the next person. And I, I, I completely agree. Mine, my strategy is exact same, except my first, you know, my first one is that really swing for the fence. And the second yeah. one is I'd really like this tag as well. You know, it's got a little bit easier odds of drawing, but I think, I think it's important for people to understand that strategy for any state that offers multiple choices. You know, mm-hmm. it, we see it all the time that somebody puts that super easy to draw, uh, hunt as their first choice and then they stagger it backwards if you will and that hard to draw tag is their fifth choice well obviously they're going to draw the easy one before the hard one and so but, and, you know you think people people would would catch on to that but we see it every year and that's something that we try and communicate yeah. to to our users as well you know it's it's typically got a section in the app strategy 
article for any of those states to try and explain that process to people as well. Yeah. Well, the other part for me with Arizona is I look at it as multiple, uh, I guess, values that come my way. So I buy my non-resident hunting license. You have to have that uh, in order to, to be in the game there. So that's, I think, like 156 bucks, something like that. Yep. So I say, all right, if that, I'm going to make that investment by February, what is it, February 9th this year is the deadline for Arizona? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For that. So don't miss that deadline, folks. Uh, by February 9th, I'm going to throw my name in the hat for two choices for elk and two choices for antelope. Then along comes the deer and sheep draw in early June. So I'm going to participate in that. And then in October, they have the javelina, spring turkey, other stuff. So I'm going to throw my name in there. And amongst all of this, I just got back from uh, archery hunting coos deer down there on an over-the-counter tag. So I look at all the places I can get value. And I always look at that. That's the tightwad accountant in me. Is <laughs> when I'm allocating my budget, where am I going to get value in more places than just building a point? Well, Arizona gives me so many other options of where I can get some value out of that license. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Arizona does a, a great job of rewarding people that apply for their systems. You talk about building points. Well, they, you know, they have the loyalty points. So after you've applied yep. for what is it five years they give you an an additional one if you're willing to travel down there and take a hunter safety course they give you you know another one and so you know a state that's willing to to reward me as a sportsman in in participating in their draw system the way that they do i think you know it's a it's a must apply for state regardless of your you know your strategy if it's a state you want to hunt every year definitely apply you know and and people say well you know the sheep odds are so bad that, you know, I'm not going to build a point. Well, you've already bought that license, like you mentioned. It's super. It's a super cheap state to build a, a sheet point in. And, and yeah. if you're doing that, you might as well throw your hat in the ring. You know, find those hunt codes that have the, you know, the random odds allocated or the random tags allocated for sheep. And put your hat in the bucket. And, you know, you never know when you're that lucky that lucky guy that's going to get a sheep tag. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a good state for a sportsman to be, to be supported. So. No, I'm, I'm with you. And my son is 30 and people say, well, how is it that he's got 20 deer points, 20, uh, antelope points and 20 sheep points? Well, when he took his hunter ed class in Montana, I think he was 10 or 11 and Arizona only charges non-resident youth $5 for the hunting license. Yep. And $5 for each point or each application. So he's building points for $5 per year per species. Well, I spill that much coffee on the floor of my vehicle every month <laughs> or more. And so here he is, he's 30 years old, and he's got a whole gunny sack full of points for Arizona. So any of you listening to this, if you have young hunters in your household, don't don't miss this opportunity because as valuable as it is to have points today, it's going to be even more valuable 10 years and 20 years from now. That my, we've got a four year old and, a, and an 18 month old and my wife, she, she laughs at me, but I've, I'm that guy that's got, you know, I'm tracking, 
you know, what states, <laughs> what states I can start building them points for when and, and allocating budget for it now. So that's like, I'm, I'm that guy that my, my boy is going to have a pile of points in all of these states when, you know, a lot of times before he can realistically hunt big game. So I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. It's, it's definitely worth investing in. So, yeah, the, uh, you'd mentioned the loyalty point, which the reason that I drew elk three years ago or well, four years ago. So I drew in 2017, I got a bonus point in 18, a bonus point in 19 and a bonus point in 20. Most people say, well, you should have three points now. Newberg. Well, I have a loyalty point because for every species in Arizona, I've been applying since 1997. So I've, I've met that five year threshold. So I'm never going to let that go. I never want to lose my loyalty. Yeah. That's, that's the neat thing about those two points is they don't take them away from you when you draw, like they're they're yours. And so, you know, you talk about some of those late archery elk hunts. Well, some of those only take two or three points to draw the non-resident. So you, you know, you, once you get those two points, you're, you're in it every year. So you're back in the game. Yep. And so I add my three bonus points I got from 17 or from 18, 19 and 20. I add my loyalty point and you talked about the Hunter Ed point in 2007. I flew to Vegas, drove down to Kingman, did some quail hunting. And then I sat through the non-resident Hunter Ed class, which is a very long one day class by a great group of folks in Kingman. And I went from being one point below the curve for mule deer to now being in the max point pool because of that hunter ed point. Yep. And guess who drew an Arizona strip deer tag in 2007? Me. The, the year I went and took that class and I had that point for the next draw, voila, I end up with an Arizona strip mule deer tag. Uh, my point of that is in a state like Arizona that rewards the loyal people, the committed people, take advantage of it. That's how their system's designed. And you'll jump right back in there with more points than the other person. So but I, I, I struggle to think of why people wouldn't do that. Well, then I think, all right, you got to go to Arizona. You got to sp- spend a whole day in a class. And this year, I looked at sending my whole crew down there for the non-resident hunter ed class. And because of COVID, they're deferring it. Bummer. Yep, that's what I was going to say. This year has, has been a little difficult that way. And and if you know, a lot of times I I kick myself because Kingman's not that far. I live in Cedar City, mm. um, in Cedar Southern Utah, and Kingman's yeah. not that far. But you know, and I kept saying, well, I'm just going to wait for that close. You know, I'm going to wait for the class that's that's in Kingman or closer. And to be honest, I should have, before the the COVID thing hit, I should have went down and just made a vacation, family vacation, if you will, to Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, and picked that up. But I I'm still one of those that haven't taken advantage of that. And I'm you know, I there were so many classes you know two years ago that I could have done and had a good time. Went and played around with golf in in Arizona with great weather, and you know made a weekend out of it. And I just didn't capitalize on it. So, uh oh. Two demerits for you, Brandon. I know, I know. <laughs> no, no, like I, I was lucky enough living in Southern Utah. I don't know if you remember. I, I used to be able to buy an over-the-counter mule deer tag and hunt that. You know, the Kaibab and and the what I would consider the eastern side of the strip every year. Mm-hmm. So I was, yeah. 
that that dates me a little bit, but I was able to take advantage of that. And so I was like, man, you know, building deer points. Who wants to build deer points? I'm going to buy this tag for the rest of my life <laughs> and hunt, hunt mule deer down there. And yeah. so. so those who weren't around at that time or weren't applying or in the pool at that time, the Kaibab units of unit mostly 12A uh, East and 12A West you could get that as a, they, they gave away so many tags and there was so little demand. You could get it as a leftover as a non-resident. That was crazy. Yeah. Now it's what five or six points. Yeah. You're up there. You know, you're, you're at that six point level. So, and I, yeah. I'm curious to see what that, you know, you start talking, you know, habitat changes. They had that big burn go through the Kaibab and I'm wondering that's going to, that's going to help habitat wise. And so mm-hmm. the deer start coming back on that and you'll, you know, I, I think it's going to creep more so in the next three or four years than it has in the past even. So, yeah. So when we talk about creep, uh, two of your coworkers, Brady and trail, we did a podcast about point creep in any state that has either all or part of their system as a preference point system. So Arizona, allocating 20% of the tags under a true preference point system, you end up with point creep because you have people who have been in this system for 20, 25. I think the highest point holder in Arizona as a non-resident is at 30 or 31 points. Uh, so those people are over there and they don't even show up in the draw odds. They're just buy a point, buy a point, buy a point, buy a point. Yeah. It's- and then, it's pretty but, wild. Like you look at some of their bison draw has been around forever down there. And you yeah. look at the points for that particular species. It's crazy. Yeah. And so the reason for bringing this up is it's helpful if you look at how many point buyers are in the system at each level, because that gives you an idea of, well, if I have 14 points and I think I can draw a tag in the 20% or first pass this year, but there's a whole bunch of people buying points in front of me, there's a good chance some of those people see the same information you do, and your 14 points might get checked out by someone with 16 or 17 points, and you'll say, oh, point creep got me. This this point creep is this it's just it's getting out of hand. Well, it's been building for fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, I was gonna say it's and, it's nothing new. Um, and we talk about you know our draw odds on go hunt, and we design them in a particular fashion the way that we display them. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that we set out when we when we when we when we dove headfirst into draw odds. We didn't want to just display a number somewhere. We wanted to be yeah. able we wanted to be able to showcase certain things and points Creek was one of them. And so if you'll, you know, if people will get into what we call the draw odds detail page, that's the one that yep. shows like a five year trend. Yep. We wanted to be able to showcase people and for them to make a decision and say, you know, you know, they're looking at that hunt code and they're going, well, you know, five years ago, it only took 10 points and then took 11 and then took 12 and then took 13. Well, at some yep. point it needs to register that, Hey, you know, if I'm one or two points behind that curve, I'll never catch that. <laughs> oh, so we, we wanted we wanted to showcase that for people so they can make that that prediction themselves. You know, people often when you talk draw odds, people often tell you, "Well, do you predict what's going to happen?" And we don't in the numbers right. that we produce, but we do want to display the the data in a fashion that you can make a prediction for yourself. 
So, right. you know, and I think that's an important thing to talk about is point creep's not new. It's It's been happening since point systems, you know, came into Western big game draw systems. And so, you know, understanding that it happens and understanding how to kind of read it and, and use it in your strategy, I think is a key component to, to applying in these states. Yeah, that, that's what I do. I mean, when I'm trying to predict, I am looking, I think you guys give the five years prior or that year plus four years. Yeah, the five yep. prior years. Yep. And so I, I look at those trends and if something's hopping one or two or three points, it's like cross that off my list because I only gain one point a year. I'm not going to catch it. Yep. And all these people who've been buying points and are way out in front of me, they're just going to keep adding to that problem. So to me, looking at this information gets my expectations set in a more reasonable manner. Uh, My grandma used to always tell me that frustration comes from unrealistic expectations. Uh, If you have four points in it, took eight last year don't think you're going to draw this year with five yep exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's on unrealistic expectation and you're going to be frustrated uh but arizona has the other uh quirk which this has to complicate your job trying to work through these odds is we have an up to 10 percent of any hunt code can go to non-residents and only half of that 10% can be filled in the first part of the draw where they do the, you know, 20% of the tags to the highest point holders. And then the other half of it can be, we can max out to 10% in the second part of the draw. So I, I often wonder when I look at some of the other draw odds that get published where somebody says, Oh, for non-residents, the odds were a hundred percent at this point level. But at the same point, same point level, it was only 78% for residents. Yeah, that's it. It seems, it seems like either someone's math is bad or they're just simplifying this to the point where it almost makes the odds not that useful to me. See, and that's, that's part of our, what I would call our secret sauce is we, you know, you, you can get data and you can, you can run that through different models and different things. Uh, you're going to produce different numbers depending on the model that you do. But at the end of the day, you need to, you know, whatever you feel is the best model to produce the best odds, you really need to, to nitpick each individual hunt code. Um, Cause there will be a, you know, a situation in, in that fashion that, you know, being that up to state. And I, I think we need to explain that a little bit is it's a true up to, there are no, you know, there's not a permit in Arizona that is guaranteed to a non-resident. Correct. It's, it's a true up to, you have, you know, an up to this, this number to draw. Whereas, you know, you get into some, some other States and they'll actually allocate a quota, you know, a set number of permits to a non-resident. Right. Like your home state of Utah, us non-residents are applying for a pool of tags that are set aside for non-residents. Yep. yep. And and so, in Arizona, we're competing with the residents for the same tags. And once we hit the 10% cap, no more non-residents will get a tag. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we're going to hit the 10% cap. No. And that, that's what, that, that's what I'm saying is it's, it's, it's good to understand that. And like you mentioned, because of that cap, if you will, there's, there shouldn't be any hunt codes that have, you know, a better odds for non-resident than, than residents do. It's just, it's just one of the quirks of their draw system. 
they, mm-hmm. they, you know, they give a little bit of preference to residents in that, in that fashion, which each individual Western state does in some fashion or another, you know? Yep. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of what we do is we've got a team, not only do we have data scientists that actually run these calculations, you know, that's a, that's a level of math above, you know, my bachelor's degree in biology. And so <laughs> there, you know, or, or two or three levels, I should say, but we, we have the data scientists do that, but we've also got a team, you know, my office are, during the last few months, that's all we do. We critique every single hunt code, you know, every point level, and we try and find those weird outliers that that didn't make sense in a math model, and we throw mm-hmm. those back to our data scientists and say, hey, this doesn't look right, and then he digs into it and, and finds a solution for it. And so I think that's part of our little secret sauce is we have a, we have a bunch of hunters, you know, that understand, you know, been doing it for a lot of years, and you kind of have that gut check, but we also have someone that is is – you know, just looking at it from a statistical data side, you know, he's not got the experience on the hunting side. And so that's kind of been, you know, the way we built go hunt is we, you know, when it, when it first started, we were half hunters and half technology people. And so, you know, you, you get anytime you can get a different point of view or a different perspective, if you will, you, you can, and, and the group is willing to understand and accept and learn from different perspectives. I think it just furthers the company that you have and, and furthers the product that you're producing. Yeah. So when you, when you get this, I'll call it a deck of information from Arizona Game and Fish, Nevada Department of Wildlife, whatever state it is, it has to be kind of complicated when Arizona allows us to do two choices because you would have to know how many people had unit whatever as first choice and how many had unit whatever as second choice yeah so the the, any of those states that do that we've had to go and work with and we kind of talked a little bit about it with nevada is we had to get the data set that had enough information in it that would allow us to do what we do with it and so you know, in Arizona, we get, you know, we don't get, we, we specifically request that they not send any personal information, but we do yep. get an application number that is then tied to a first choice, second choice, and whether they were successful in, you know, the first pass or the second pass and which choice they were successful for. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and they include some other data points in, in there as well, but uh, those are the, the key ones that you need to have in any of these, you know, any of these draws that have a, you know, a one through five or one through two choice, um, because you, you, you know, and then with that, you're always going to have one or two outliers. So what we, what we do with that data is process it, you know, hundreds of thousands up to a million times. And so what, what do you mean? You, you, we, we, you basically process it. we run that draw. So we, we can simulate the draw. You know, you hear it, you've heard it from us in, in the past, these simulations that we do. And it's, mm-hmm. it is exactly that we rerun that draw you know, a hundred thousand to a million times so that it smooths that those outliers out. Um, Mm. that way you don't have some obscure hunt code that had, you know, that one non-resident one tag drawn hundred percent at five points for, you know, just because the way it is for that one particular year, we, we smooth that curve out. So it's a, it's a good, you know, representation of what actually would happen in the draw over that many times. Uh, and that's, yep. you know, that's, we, we spin up servers, you know, Amazon web services, AWS servers to, to process that. Otherwise, you know, we, 
there's not enough time in the day during the <laughs> off season. To- <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. You got somebody sitting there saying one, first, <laughs> two, three, up to a half million times. So you, it is just all automated. The outputs are this, and you take 500,000 outputs and in that process, yeah, and under it, the quote unquote rule of large numbers, you got a confidence level that's very, very high. Yep. And that's, you know, it, it took a, you know, when we originally started this, we thought, oh, you know, 5,000, 10,000 times should, should, should be the key. And we mm-hmm. did that. And our data scientist came back to us and was like, nah, that's really not enough. Like, and, and he, <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. He's very, passionate and proud about the the data that he works with in fact there's we've gone there was one hunt code in new mexico this year that because of their new rounding rules and the mm-hmm. you know that there was a hunt code that had 10 permits total and so non-residents technically shouldn't have had a a tag allocated to them with the right. up to up to six percent yeah well, because of the way that the it's a it's a very non popular hunt code. It, there's a few applicants for it, and particularly the guided outfitter draw didn't have hardly any applicants for it. And oh. so, when he started processing it, he actually produced an odds for it because in the simulation over that many times, there was a fraction of a percent that non residents would get allocated a tag because of the the choice levels mm-hmm. there was there wasn't a a first choice for the guy to draw and because of the way things rounded out and i went back and was like nope according to the rule this can't have a non-resident tag <laughs> and we went we went back and forth and i i ended up kind of swallowing my pride and went and talked to somebody else and they're like well technically you know we're not saying that it's going to happen in one in a hundred years you know but the data says the way that that application fell over that many times, there is a fraction of a percent. Um, and when I when I kind of stood stood back and looked at the whole process, it then made sense to me. And so, and he was passionate about, you know, we we rely on the data, and he wasn't going to change it for anything. So <laughs> we 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 held up launching New Mexico odds for a day while him and I argued over one hunt code that nobody probably is even going to apply for. So. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the level that's the level of, of detail and granularity that we break these states down to um yeah you know that to me it's important to have 100 percent confidence in the entire data set and so yeah. that's the level of detail that, that we try and get to yeah so when you guys get this information <clears throat> and the reason i bring this up is because i called your office in december and said what's the holdup on the Wyoming draw odds? And you guys said, well, there were a few fewer, I don't know what it would be, mistakes, irregularities, something messed up with the data you guys received. Yeah. So am I correct in that? Yeah. So we use a couple of different data sources in, in Wyoming, you know, there, you talk about complex systems and, and, you know, fairly simple, straightforward systems. Wyoming's is, you know, it's a preference point state with a random with a random side to it, but it's pretty straightforward to calculate odds. And so we had yeah. our we had our odds completely calculated uh, and ready to go. And I was I was in the steps of the final stages, and I started looking at application numbers. So in Wyoming, we display application numbers below what we call the breakpoint. So how yeah. many how many applicants are in you know the random side of the draw? And those didn't add up to what you know the other two data sources that I had. And so I was like, man. 
So I spent a whole day just breaking those down, and I couldn't find a pattern or reason or rhyme. I went da- back to the actual raw data, the reports that we got from Wyoming, and the lady that that we typically used had moved to a different department up there, and so we had a mm-hmm. we had a new lady that was that was polling those reports, and it's not a report that they just you know click and offload and shoot to you. It's something that they actually have to go into their draw data and pull. Okay, and so she was pulling just different numbers than we needed so they weren't mm-hmm. you know the applicants weren't weren't adding up and so i you know we re, re-request the same data and we ultimately ended up getting on the phone with her and explaining what we'd done in the past and i sent her a couple of reports from the previous years so she could see you know what she needed to pull and we ended up getting the right data and getting it up and yeah people are going to apply in wyoming <laughs> and draw some milk tags and have a good hunt up there yeah. Well, the reason I bring that up is, uh, obviously it's the, the, the people at these state agencies, they've got a million things going on. They're always understaffed, uh, and with turnover, like maybe this instance, you know, things can happen, but you guys are looking at that stuff, checking, cross-checking, double, triple, whatever oh, yeah. checking. Yep. So that, you know, uh, with the highest degree of confidence you can have, that the information you were given was correct so that when you run it through your systems is not, I mean, what's the old garbage in garbage out. Yep. Whatever they say. That's yeah. And that's, you know, I, I kick myself cause I usually, I usually double check that data as soon as it comes in, but Wyoming has been one of those States that they've been great to work with and we haven't had a problem. You know, it's kind of that old get comfortable in a groove and, you let that one slide through and it got completely through the process. And, you know, we're in the, the final checks that we do each state and found an error and we reprocessed the whole thing. And that's it. It's interesting. Cause like I said, the, the odds were good. The actual draw right. odds percentages themselves. And it's a, it was kind of an internal struggle cause we're getting you know close to that app opening before we had them live. And at the end of the day, I just didn't, you know, they, they let it be my call and I didn't, I wasn't going to put a product out there that I didn't feel had everything we had to offer in it. And so we, we waited a, almost a week and a half. So, Well, I'm glad that you do that because I'd rather have no information than bad information. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. There's, you know, it's, it's, you, you go back to the, you know, you ever stopped and ask for directions and a guy is as lost as you are, you just get more lost. So, <laughs> Uh, well, in my other life as a CPA, I always tell clients, you know, I'd rather that you get no advice as to get bad advice. Yep. Uh, so, but, uh, going back to Arizona, you guys get all this data. You prob- probably can't explain or give all the secrets behind the, the wall, uh, of what you do with it, how you manipulate it, how you run it, test it. But when it comes out, we can take full faith that this is as accurate as it's going to get. Yep. And that's, and that's always been our, our approach to these is we're, we never, and you know, to be honest, you talk about the history of draw odds with us. It took us a year and a half to, to come to data that we were comfortable displaying on our website. And so, and that it, it goes that way every year. It's not that we get complacent or, or any of that. If it, if it doesn't meet our standards, we don't release it. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're as big a junkies and, and Western hunting application people as there are. You know, that's you talk about what we did before 
Gohan existed. And I was that guy that had the spreadsheet and was digging through, <laughs> you know, I, I started hunting Colorado right out of high school. And I was that guy. I don't know if you remember Colorado's old draw reports before they oh, were yeah. nice clean ones. They were terrible. They were so bad. And they I was like a dot matrix printer with like stacks or, or uh, rows of, okay, point 18 through 10 is the top row points nine through one is the next row and you had to match all that stuff up it was it'd give you a headache within two minutes looking yeah at that. and that's so i would do that right out of high school trying to figure out you know my strategy over there and so we've been doing this for a long time and so yeah. you know we go we go back to you know arizona in particularly is we try and display that data for that state as, so that the the large majority of people can make good sound decisions for the application that's our mm-hmm. that's our whole goal with the whole insider platform is to get people you know permits get showcase opportunity showcase you know where you can go hunt what you can go do and try and take some of those barriers of entry out you know you you talk about you know how intimidating hunting a new state is for someone that's you know particularly you talk about people you know I've got family back east they go buy a tag at the, the hardware store. <laughs> they, you know, they go buy five deer tags, you know, on a Sunday or on a Saturday, and they go hunt Sunday. Yeah. And so you yeah. try and explain, you know, well, hey, you, you need to apply in January so you can then hunt in October. It's, you know, <laughs> that, that barrier of entry is, is that's our whole goal is to try and break those down and get people hunting. So, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's interesting excluding Brady, I'll throw him under the bus. He's not real forgiving of information on where he hunts or what he does, but the majority of us, you know, trail and I here in the office, Dave here in the office, you ask me where I hunted last year. I'll tell you, like I, I would just as soon see someone go be successful and have a good time as the, you know, I'm never going to kill the deer that I did last year again. I'm, you know, a lot of times I don't hunt the same, same area year over year anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we really try and provide any information we can to help people be successful. Well, it's been a big help to me and uh, the amount of hard drive space I have on my computers now, because I'm not <laughs> doing these ridiculously cumbersome spreadsheets year after year. I used the, when I started this, Brandon, I was using Lotus one two three. <laughs> now, some people listening are going to be like, "Lotus what?" They're Google right now. <laughs> program, and when I had to convert everything over to Microsoft Excel in about like two thousand or you know two thousand to two thousand three, I would just get livid. Well, now because I have a whole crew working for me, some of this data I won't. I, it's. I don't know why I even keep some of it because it's so old and archaic. It's like, why do I have something from 2010 when I have go hunt at my fingertips? But it's just like, I get this weird mindset, right? I'm, <clears throat> I'm an accountant. And so, uh, I always tell the crew, if anybody shares that you're dead, uh, <laughs> whereas really they could share it. Who really cares what the, what my bad data science techniques provided as draw odds in 2009 i don't think anybody cares nope in fact i I completely abandoned that and i i 
I'm I'm that guy that's waiting. Like I'm the guy pushing our data scientists because I want that first crack at, at a few of these particular states that I'm really interested in. I'm like, I got to see what's going on. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it as I'm checking data. I'm looking at you know very specific hunt codes to verify. Going, oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. So you know, yeah. I I completely understand where you're at with that. You know, another thing I see, and, and I use Arizona for example, is not this year, but the prior year, a lot of their elk units, uh, Arizona cut tags significantly. And they are really good about doing surveys, harvest surveys, doing flights, and adjusting their quotas every year, every other year. Yeah, they are. They're, they're a really active Game, game and fish man like their their game and fish department is very active and and proactive at that and so yeah you know. so two years ago everyone's complaining that tag numbers are down but if you don't adjust tag numbers to reflect what you want for bull to cow ratios and age class and everything else then everyone's mad at you because well you shot them all oh you're just concerned about the money blah 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 well in years where tag numbers are being adjusted, either up or down, I take that into account. Because if tag numbers are going down by 20%, it's not just my odds go down by 20%. They probably go down even more because the top of, of those point holders are the ones who are still going to get their tags. Yeah, then it leaves less for those of us at you know at the lower point levels it's I, I use that there's it's kind of a barometer for a bunch of things to be honest with you when I, when I start seeing tags being cut in particular units or, or across the horizon you know one it, you talk about points creep and and you guys talked about that but it basically comes down to a supply and demand yeah um, you know and anytime the demand is higher than the supply you you know you're not going to have a surplus well when you cut demand, the, or when you cut supply, that demand is still there. And so that's yeah. that's where you can see points creep accentuated. There's a unit, so unit 55 in Colorado for deer, um, two years ago they had an extreme winter kill in there, and they cut permits two or three years ago. They cut permits in half across all seasons over there. And you watch yeah. that, you know, the archery muzzleloader seasons, those early seasons, jump from that six, seven-point level up into 13, 12 and 13 wow. points. And it wasn't it wasn't that the you know the applicants skyrocketed. They actually dropped a little as well. And I'll I'll get into that aspect of it as well. But they just the the supply just got cut in half. And so, you know, barring that the the demand is the same, anytime that supply gets cut, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna have point creep accentuated. But the other yeah. thing that I look at anytime that the tags start getting cut is is that really a unit that I still want to hunt? Yeah. You know, uh, so there's a couple of things to look at there. And, and, you know, you, you can, we try and display a bunch of data points with our draw odds and, and you get into the filtering 2.0 and all those, the parts of our website and you start taking into account harvest success, you know, male to female ratios and different data points associated with a, a given game management unit. And you, you can get ahead of that curve a little bit. Um, you know, you, you see a you see a unit that's starting to to trend up on male to female ratios. You get ahead of the curve and start applying for units like that before, you know, they they really are susceptible to point creep. 
Or on the flip side, say you're chasing a unit and it starts trending <laughs> downwards, it may be time to, to you know chase a different unit. So, yeah. Well, I just pulled one up that I in Arizona. I'm here uh, logged into your Insider, and I'm not going to say what unit this is. Uh, actually, I'm going to even lie about the the numbers, but relatively they'll be the same. 2015, 16, 17 tag numbers stayed the same. 2018, they bumped them up. Guess what happened to the draw odds? The draw odds got way better in that unit. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Just the inverse of what well, you were and, talking about. And you talk about a good game management, you know, system or 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 the the Arizona Game and Fish down there. They publish those numbers and the regulations. Yep. You know, they're they do. They're not one of those that's like you know. That's my biggest gripe with my home state of Utah is I've got to apply before they even set tag numbers. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, you know, that's a that's a key component that Arizona gives you those numbers ahead of time that you can, you know, you could you could have predicted whatever unit you're looking at, you could have made that assumption, hey, they're they're upping the tags. I I'm right at that point level. I'm probably going to draw that tag this year. Yep. So, you know, kudos to Arizona Game of Fish for doing that too because they're you know, they're they're ahead of the the game in a lot of places. Yeah. I I I enjoy applying there. I enjoy hunting there. Even if I'm not the tag holder, I if I have a friend or family who has an Arizona tag, I'm looking at my calendar saying, "How do I clear those dates so I can tag along and help?" Yep. Uh, it's just such a a great state for for all species. But in this case, you know, one of the things that I think might apply this year i just got back from arizona and it is ridiculously dry the whole state has been so dry all summer there they didn't have one friend down there said they called it the non-soon instead of the monsoon because it didn't show up and it's i've been i've been keeping close tabs on that clear across like across the entire west my home state of utah has been extremely affected by it um colorado believe it or not is is affected by it Neville and I, so Chris Neville and I were, we had an archery, archery deer tags above timberline there in the Gunnison Basin. I, I've hunted this unit off and on for, you know, 15 years. Mm -hmm. I have never seen it dry in the high country like that. Like the, the feed just dry, like the deer, you know, the deer came out of, you know, off the, the tundra, off of the tree line stuff. They, they ended up being about halfway down in the timber we couldn't get water up high. Like a lot of the springs that I had never seen dry for, for that long, you know, for 15 years weren't running this year, you know, where we were getting water, it was just trickling a little bit. And so you talk about drought and, and you typically associate even a high country hunt that you never consider, you know, moisture content to be a problem. It was a problem this year. And so you get into those arid states like Nevada and Arizona, and that could play a huge factor going into this next year. Which gets me to the step that some people take advantage of for five extra dollars. You can almost, they call it point guard. It's like insurance that, okay, we got to apply in early February. Fortunately, I looked at the forecast. They're supposed to get a bunch of moisture next week and i hope it's the start of a really great moisture pattern for him um but say the moisture doesn't turn around and this is a terrible drought year in arizona and sometime in march you've got your tag and you're watching and watching and watching and say you're a really high point holder 
you might look at this and if this drought persists you might turn that tag back in and get your points restarted under that point guard program for it is five bucks right yeah it's it's the cheapest insurance you can buy as a western hunter in that state and I, I, anytime we talk to somebody, we tell them to, to buy that. It's just a good insurance. We, we had a good friend. Well, an acquaintance, I should say. He's a, he's a good friend, but he missed, he, he, it was before, before, before the points guard was offered, he mixed up his hunt codes and he had oh. 17 or 18 points mixed up his hunt codes and drew an antlerless oak tag. Oh no. And there is nothing you can do in that situation and so you know now that they do have the points guard i i would you know there's you couldn't you couldn't talk me out of not buying that just for you know you fat finger on your application (laughs) for some reason and you know or you you talk about back to the drought situation that can affect things in in multiple ways you you talk about you know arizona has a lot of later hunts you know they've got the the late rifle hunts the late archery hunts Mm -hmm. you know your post rut you know, on, on dry years, you tend to see a lot more broken bone or broken horns. You know, they're, they're just, they didn't have the nutrient to, to grow a real dense horn. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you draw, you know, you, you're in that middle of the points pack and you draw one of those late rifle tags and, you know, you're, you go out and scout it and all you can see are a bunch of broken bulls. It may not be the hunt that you waited a decade for. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I've I've had a few of those. Uh, Arizona has a new portal. Well, it's been in place for a while, but we all got an email December 8th through the 12th saying, we've updated our portal, blah, blah, blah. Here's your temporary account name and here's your temporary password. Go in and update and verify your information. So here's what I'm afraid is going to happen. A ton of people are going to wait till the last day or two, and they're not going to have that temporary username and password and it's going to be absolute panic the first few you know that that days leading up to the deadline yeah and some people are going to end up out in the cold because of that yeah i hope i we try and communicate that on our side as well you know when that application opens jump into your portal you don't have to apply the day it opens but you can at least log in get your information squared away see how many points you really do have because I don't know how many people I've talked to, they're like, "Well, I've got six points. Well, maybe it's maybe it was seven. Maybe you know they don't they don't really know." And so they you can you can get all that information from the portal. So you know when that application opens, jump in or before even you know jump in, get your get your system squared away and and start planning those hunts. But like you say, it, I, I'm one of those guys that I do wait till the latter part of the application to apply. I don't wait till the last day. I'm not that guy. But I'll, you know, three or four days. I try and I try and digest as much information as I possibly can um, before I go into an application. So, you know, but I do leave, you know, four or five days on the back end just to be able, you know, in worst case scenario, I've got a couple days to try and get a hold of somebody at a game agency. And it's like you like you mentioned before, most game agencies are spread pretty thin. You know, they're they're typically you know, spread thin on personnel, you know, underpaid for what they do, in my opinion. And so, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, I'm not going to try and get a hold of them the day, you know, the the night of the draw deadline at 730 at night. You know, so, yeah, plan and plan and, and get your app in ahead of time and, and get all that squared away. Yeah. 
that the uh, <laughs> so procrastinator usually ends up sooner or later with a problem. So <laughs> this could be one of those years where all these changes Arizona has going on in their system uh, go in and, and get squared away well in advance. Uh, and and I'll, it, I'll throw that out there. It's not just Arizona. You know, you're, a lot right. of the state's websites are being overhauled this, this year. Um, and yep. so, you know, any of the states you're looking at, log in and just get things squared away. Yeah, for sure. What else are we needing to cover in Arizona other than that February 9th deadline? That's always the one that I just... Uh, I keep hammering and hammering because it's like, people, don't miss this. Whatever you do, don't miss this deadline. Uh, you know, I, I think we've, we've covered a lot of it. The only thing I would I would mention or, or you know, if, if you're just out there to hunt elk or just, you know, you're, you're not looking at horns, you're not looking at, at that aspect of hunting, you know, th- there's a ton of opportunity through the antlerless seasons. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't, anytime it's an antlerless hunt, you know, in Arizona, one thing unique is they, they don't have that cap, you know, in right. any of the, any elk or cow or antlerless, I should say, hunts, that non-resident cap doesn't apply to those. And so, you know, you're competing one-on-one with a resident when it comes to drawing mm-hmm. those tags. And so, you know, uh, we're seeing a huge influx of, of our members who just want to get out in the field and, and hunt and, and on the flip side, have that, you know, have that meat process the meat by themselves. And so, you know, antlerless hunts, cow elk to me is one of the best animals you're going to eat. So, yep. you know, there's, there's that aspect of it. And we do cover the antlerless draws, you know, it's, we don't have it incorporated into the filtering 2.0 side yet, but if you'll jump into the standalone draws, go non-resident antlerless elk, you, uh, yeah. you'll find them in there. So, you know, there's, there's a ton of hunts that you can, you can draw and go hunt, you know, cow elk and, and have a good time doing it. So, yeah. So by the time this podcast comes out in, I don't know, a week or so, uh, you'll have your Arizona elk and antelope strategy article out there. Yep. Which I tell people that your strategy articles that you guys put together, some of those are worth the price of admission. Even if you don't look at all the other stuff, I, just to know. I, I agree a hundred percent. And there, I mean, there's almost more information in there than people can actually you know, <laughs> digest. Um, but we are, one, one of the neat things that we are doing is trail trails going to do a, a little common questions video that is getting attached to all of those this year. And it's, yep. it's a, I've, I've reviewed a couple of them so far and that's just, you know, it's hitting those main points that people need to understand um, so, mm-hmm. at least, you know, it's that little video right there is worth gold. Um, it's going to yeah. get you started off on the right track, you know, and, and get you understanding the draw process. So, yeah. Well, Brandon, this is uh, one of the longer bonus podcasts we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to put all this uh, information out there, explain how it goes on behind the scenes, uh, how you guys take data stacks or decks whatever you want to call them and and put it into a format that is right at our fingertips can't tell you how much time with if time is money you are saving me a ton of time and a ton of money so well yeah no we're we're, we appreciate each and every user you know and that's that's one thing that we pride ourselves in is is if you've got feedback if you're an insider and on there and have some feedback shoot us an email you know we 
we do listen to, to any and all feedback that we get. And so, you know, if there's a way we can make something better or present something better, we're all ears. You know, we're, we're open to making tweaks here and there and, and try and do the best we can. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all this, Brandon, folks. I appreciate all of you being here and, and listening to this stuff. Uh, if you want to sign up for the Insider, go to gohunt.com, click on the Insider tab. And if you use promo code Randy, they'll give you a $50 gift card in their gear shop. That's a, that's a heck of a deal. I, I, I got to figure out how I get in on that $50 gift card. You got a shortcut for me, Brandon? No. In fact, I was the guy that was asking for those as an employee and they wouldn't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my credit card just got hit. I'm on auto renew in December. I auto renew. I just got dinged for my go hunt subscription, but it's worth every bit of it. So no complaints from me. Well, thank you for having me on here, Randy. It's been a, been a pleasure talking about it. Um, and like I say, if, if anybody ever has a question, get in touch with us. So, Yeah. Are uh, you, you going to give them your email? Yeah, my, my personal email is just Brandon at Go Hunt. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, and then if you've got just general questions, you can always email us at insider at gohunt.com as well. And that'll either be myself, Trail, Dave. Uh, that's pretty much it on that email. But we'll, we try, like I mentioned earlier, we try and, and offer as much, much information as we can give uh, to anybody that's got questions. We're really here as a, a resource to get you off and, and have you be successful. So. Cool. Well, thanks for doing it. Thanks for being here, folks. The next one I think we're going to put out there is going to be Utah. And uh, that is is an animal all of itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take care, Brandon. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks.